words are all I have to take whatever the rest of that Boyzone song is. <laughs> it's Boyzone, isn't it? I'm not big on my 2000s, 90s, 90s? 90s, yeah. Words by Boyzone, released in 1996. 96. It's only words, and words are all I have to take your heart away. Yeah, I was two years old when I came on that. I don't know if it was. Oh, it was written by the Bee Gees. It's written by the Bee Gees? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to know. Uh, I think I've ever heard that song, actually. It was originally a Bee Gees song. That's why it was written by the Bee Gees, released in 1968. Oh, it was a cover? Yeah, it was Bee Gees originally, and then Elvis covered it in 69. Nice. Nice. <laughs> and then Boys uncovered it in 96. Oh, thank God they did. It's like a reverse 69. Hour of Devastation is a fan-supported, listener-supported podcast, supported by people just like you. If you like what you hear and want to show your support, head over to patreon.com slash hour of devastation. A pledge to start from as little as one dollar. Thanks. Welcome to Hour of Devastation, a weekly Magic the Gathering podcast where we talk all things Magic the Gathering. I'm your host, Joe Loudon, and with me as always is Sam Neil. Hiya. How are you doing this week, Sam? I'm doing okay. Good, good. I'm going to start with that as opposed to the normal doom and gloom I've <laughs> decided to bring recently. Good, yeah, things are looking up. Uh, so I made a mistake of going to pre-release. Yeah? Yeah. Um, mistake? Yeah, <laughs> well, like, I've, I've said before in this podcast, like, I don't enjoy pre-releases, right? Yeah. And I don't like doing them. Uh, and this time I decided to do one, because, like, I'm really into Eldraine. Uh I think that was, that like opening cards and looking at cards and seeing what other people have opened and seeing all like the old art stuff has been really cool and i've been, I've been enjoying aldrain so far but the actual yeah. produce itself sucked like really badly uh, sorry to hear that yeah um my pool was whack mm. so i opened um my promo was gatherick yeah which is sweet which is a, a i mean card i wanted to open for, for commander anyway <laughs> it's a decent card yeah yeah and i think it's very very good in limited and I was like, oh, okay, sweet. Hopefully I can build some kind of blue deck where I can utilize this card. And then I opened my first pack and I opened a, a Clackbridge Troll. I nice. was like, sick, that's very good. I opened a bake into a pie. So I was like, oh, sweet, okay, so blue-black maybe. And then as I opened the rest of my packs, um, I, like, about 55% of my pool was blue-black cards. Like, it was, yeah. like, far and away the, the two most represented colours. So I was like, oh, cool, I can build a blue-black deck. And then I started looking through the cards, and they were all awful. Oh, no. The average number of mana cost of my creatures was five. And that's yeah. not just, like, an average. That's like, all the creatures I had cost five mana. Yeah. Um, apart from, like, a Fae of Wishes, which Oh, is... I love that card. Yeah, sure. That... Yeah, that card's amazing. Which is fine. Like, I had, like, an Eye Collector, a Fae of Wishes, and then, like, mono five drops. Yeah, and a Gadwick, and I was like, "There's nothing. I, I can't. I can't build this because there's no curve to it." And like, I had interactive spells, but I felt like I was just going to die. Yeah, like the, the pool. The pool was very, very bad. So then every other color was just really shallow, and I tried to build a green-white deck, and just didn't have enough playables. Yeah, um, and the only two gold cards I opened were two knights, like the so the uncommon, the two uncommon knights, the just red-white knight lord, and the four mana double strike one yeah fireborn knight that one the inspiring veteran that's the one and i opened uh javier dominguez oh nice which was sweet 
and then World I just champion uh, Javier Dominguez. Yeah, exactly. I was like, he'll lead my deck to victory. Right? <laughs> and then I was just like, okay, sure. I just have a bunch of like pretty much all my red creatures and white creatures were knights. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll just build this mediocre knight deck. Yeah, because it has a reasonable curve. It has interaction removal. I had like a couple of good pieces of red removal. I had a trap in the tower. I was like, okay, sure. I'll build this. And then it just it just wasn't good enough. And like oh. round round one game one, my opponent made a turn four three six. Ooh. And I just, I just literally couldn't beat it. Yeah. Um. Like all my all my creatures just got bricked by it, and like the the best removal spell I had apart from traps and tower like only dealt five damage whatever one that yeah. one is. So yeah. I just couldn't beat that. I ended up winning that round just because fervent champion plus double striking knights is pretty obnoxious. Yeah, definitely. Um. And then yeah, the next two rounds I just got <laughs> just destroyed by like absurd green black and green blue like value decks. And like, yeah. my, my opponent's got to play a lot more magic than I did, and I just sat there with like some mopey creatures in play. Yeah, so I definitely think those three colours are the best for sealed. Uh, like, I know green typically is fairly good in sealed anyway, but like in this format, definitely like green black, green blue, any any combination of those those two is just seems to be fantastic. I think like they're they're the kind of decks that you want to play. Like if you open up a pool that can support that, um, or if you open any card have you opened like enough cards that say the word knight just play those yeah i did open a lot of cards that said knight and they just they weren't very good <laughs> unfortunately like i didn't open any of like the stupid ones i opened like yeah. the two uncommon gold ones and then the rest of them are just like whatever the reprint one is the two mana two on first strike yeah, yeah um and then like the goblin with double strike it just like it wasn't very good not quite enough, yeah. Oh yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't wasn't quite enough. Uh, and then yeah, so it was meant to be a four round pre release, and then I just dropped the last round and posted Commander instead. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed that a lot more. Good. Well, that that's good at least. Yeah, exactly. And I I, I mean I and pre release I picked up like most of the cards I needed for Commander decks that I wanted from this set. Yeah. Like I got a foil Embercleave and a foil Faber a Faber Elder. Nice. So that was nice. Yeah. And I've got a, a great henge on the way. That's that's definitely a card. That was a yeah. I've seen a lot a lot of those going on this weekend. Yeah, and I paid five pounds for it, and it's already more expensive than that online. Nice. Yeah. So from that point of view, it was nice. And then I got to you know tinker with my commander deck for the weekend, so that was fun. Cool. Um, and now I'm here, so <laughs> that's pretty much all I have to report, honestly. Cool. How was uh how was your week been? Uh, my week's been great. Absolutely fantastic. Um. So I guess first off, we talk about my my stream from last week. Oh yeah, we should probably talk about that. Right, it's, it's a pretty big deal. That yeah, that awkward position where like we couldn't talk about it the week before, and then last week we recorded at a time where we, we couldn't really get the episode out in time to, to advertise it or talk about it much. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the stream happened. It was fun. I I just loved it. Absolutely loved it. I still have no idea how uh, or why I was invited, but I'm so thankful that I was, and hopefully it leads to future events like that for me because that'll be that'll be great because someone at wizards listened to this podcast and was like oh this isn't terrible <laughs> oh fingers crossed <laughs> uh yeah it was it was a load of fun uh had a few people in the stream watching plenty of interaction going on in chat uh we played some some sealed which <laughs> first of all which was, was quite fun uh, i think the highlight probably the highlight of the whole night was the the uh the turn that I had unsealed where uh bit of a board state building up uh, and I go and get, uh, so I've got a, a troll, cockbridge troll on my side of the field and I cast my, my favourite sealed card, the uh, the Bay of Wishes, Bay of Wishes 
to <laughs> to go get a non-creature card I own from outside the game, reveal it and put it into my hand. So do that, go into my sideboard and get a fling to fling the troll at my opponent for lethal. Yeah, that was so good. It was amazing. That was definitely my favorite point because he was like, "Oh, I might as well. I might as well do this. I might as well wish. That'll be fine." Oh, what can I even get? What can I even get? And he was like, "You know, oh my god, I can get a fling." Yeah. <laughs> and then he was like, "Oh, okay, that wins the game on the spot. Nice." <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, and then after that, I played some standard. Uh, played like just a bunch of different decks. So I figured that because I was getting access to a fully stocked account with like all of the cards and, and essentially infinite gems and gold. Uh, I would just just play as many decks as I could and play some like decks that I wouldn't typically play. Uh, so I played like a just like a kind of black white aggro knights deck for for a couple of rounds. That was that was all right. It seemed like it seemed like that was going to be a deck. Like that was definitely going to be a thing. Um, I thought it was okay. Definitely not something I would want to play myself. But I wouldn't have been surprised if, if that you know became a deck. Uh, I played a a Bant Vanifar deck, which was was really interesting. It definitely is not the type of deck I'd usually play. Yeah, that was a fun one. I went for a cigarette and then came back and you were just like playing Vanifar. I was like, oh, sweet. <laughs> was, was, yeah, playing Vanifar against Todd Anderson. That was a... Uh, <laughs> oh my god, yeah. And I got to, I got, I got to watch that from both sides. Yeah, I got to yeah. watch that from both sides and there was like a, a moment where like Todd was quite worried about like, because you had like a deputy detention. It was, yeah, I, I drew the um, uh, Tossimir Friend of Wolves yeah, yeah, and like managed to deal with the stuff, like watching from both sides of it. There was a point where he was like genuinely worried, and then he just like beat the crap out of me with a nickel bonus. <laughs> yeah, so he was playing the uh, Fires of Invention deck. He was playing like a Grixis Fires of Invention deck. So that's the three in a red enchantment. You can cast spells only during your turn, and you can cast no more than two spells each turn. But you may cast spells with converted mana cost less than or equal to the number of lands you control without paying their mana cost. Uh, so he was playing playing that. So it, I mean, it looked like I, like things were going all right for me. I managed to clear his board, uh, and then I drew some land, and then he cast a fire and fires of invention, and then cast a knuckle bolus, and and that was that. Yeah, it's pretty nice. Yeah, fires of invention plus Rel's outburst was a, a really nice combination. I'm still that, not that sure that card's that good. I think it requires a lot of stuff going on to be that good, but it does cheat still cheat mana cost, so I think there's still some value there. Yeah, I so I think well. Fires of Invention is amazing. Like the five color Niv Mizzet Fires of Invention deck is is definitely real. Um, yeah, it's definitely one to look out for. Sweet. And other than that, I played a blue black dredge deck essentially. Yeah, that was wild. By far and away, like the favorite deck that I played on on stream. Uh, it was fantastic. I think a lot of people I played against didn't really understand what the deck was doing or what it wanted to do. So I definitely, I definitely think I I won a few games that I probably shouldn't have. Yeah, like I I don't know why, but a lot of people seem to be doing like the opposite of what you're doing and playing the mill cards to mill your opponent, right? So yeah. Like, there's like there might be like some kind of reasonable mill deck in standard somewhere, and people yeah. people were playing that mill deck and they just like kept milling you after yeah. you were milling yourself and you already had like thirty cards in your graveyard. And like, yeah. brought back some marker meters and like creeping shots in people, and they continue to mill you. <laughs> so I think you need to reevaluate what you're doing, maybe. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I think there definitely is a mill deck there, but I I 100% think it's being played wrong. I think it needs to be like a self mill dredge deck, um, pretty much like the one I was playing. I, I don't think the list I was playing is is perfect, but I think it I think it's pretty close. Yeah, I think that's kind of what you want to be doing. So it was just like using um, drown secrets from 
Guilds of Ravnica, I think it was. Allegiance, I think. One of them. Mm-hmm. I think one it's Allegiance. Them, yeah. One of the Ravnica sets, the the blue enchantment that um, whenever you cast a blue spell, target player puts the top two cards of the library into their graveyard. Uh, it kind of looks like a mill card, but yeah, you just mill yourself. You play Narcomibus, you play Creeping Chills, and you just get there. Uh, you play Vantress Gargoyle as well, which is one of my favourite cards in the set. Um, and yeah, you get to the point where like you have a Vantress Gargoyle on the board, you've milled a bunch of Creeping Chills, and then you start milling your opponent so you can attack with a gargoyle and once you hit five in the air that's pretty much game over yeah that was really 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 fun um you also played a different version like a, a list that brian Gottlieb put up was like playing khan and stuff as well it was similar yeah I, I played that that briefly um yeah i i didn't enjoy that one quite as much but i think i think it's one of those decks where i would have to play it a few times to sort of get used to understanding how it worked properly mm-hmm. yeah but it's only good fun yeah i loved it absolutely loved it and yeah it was such a blast just getting to play like with a fully stacked account so i could just play anything and playing with like all of the new cards against like other people playing like new cards it, it was great and I, I hope i do manage to well i mean i hope i'm able to do more in the future it was a fantastic opportunity my favorite thing was definitely you not reading cover to search yeah, that was a good time when you cast Covetous Surge, and then uh, in response, your opponent cast a Lockmere Serpent, so you couldn't take the Lockmere Serpent, and then you countered the Lockmere Serpent, and then didn't realize that you could also take Cosmo Graveyard, which is where the Lockmere Serpent currently was because you countered it. Yeah, I would have uh, would have won that one if I'd read the card. Yeah, and then you proceeded to lose the game to the Lockmere Serpent. <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite specific move. But uh, yeah. new, new cards are hard, right? Like that's. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I learned all about that at pre-release as well. That was another thing I did this week. Excellent. Um, so I did two pre-release events. I did a, an FNM one on Friday, mm-hmm. where I I opened what I thought was an all right pool. I went went two one in the event. Um, so I did. I built a Jeskai deck, yeah. which I thought was okay. I to be honest, I can't really remember most of what was in the deck. I know there was the Royal Scions were in the deck. Uh, and there was a Fay of Wishes as well. And I also had uh, my favourite card to play alongside Fay of Wishes, which is the Spinning Wheel. Spinning Wheel? Yeah. What does the Spinning Wheel do again? It's three mana. You can tap it to add one mana of any colour, or you can pay five and tap it to tap target creature. Oh, okay, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, so it just like essentially just allows you to play any card from your sideboard with Fay of Wishes. That's pretty nice. Which is great in my, my Jeskai deck, because I was casting like all my black removal that was in my sideboard <laughs> yeah that's really yeah it was it was great it was it was good fun um yeah i went to one which that was happy enough with just kind of like your standard pre-release thing um yeah not a lot to say about the, the friday one and uh, then the saturday event that i played in i had like genuinely what might be one of the best seal pools i've ever had so like my rares were uh once upon a time uh, Wildborn Preserver, which is pretty good. It's the one the green elf archer. It's a two-two with flash and reach. And whenever another non-human creature enters the battlefield under my control, I can pay X. Uh, when you do, put X plus one plus one counters on Wildborn Preserver. Yeah, but two mana creature you can just incidentally turn into a ten-ten at some point. Yeah, yeah. It's, the most I had was thirteen counters on it. Yeah, that card's absurd. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so one of those, I had a Rankle, Master of Pranks. 
I had a Clack Bridge Troll. Uh, I had the my promo was the the knight, the two one knight with flash. Sorry, the three one knight with flash, the two mana one. Uh, uh, Black Lance Paragon. Oh, sure, black, it has flash, the three one. When it enters the battlefield, target knight gains death touch and lifelink till end of turn. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, two mana three one flash and give itself death touch and lifelink. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I also had a foil golden goose, the best kind of golden goose. Nice, it's all shiny. Yeah. Uh, it, it was cool. It was just fantastic. Like the rest of the deck just kind of built itself between like just just acceptable green and black creatures and spells. Sweet. Uh, the other actually, yeah, the other rare I had was the uh, Return of the Wild Speaker. Yeah, that card's really good. Yeah, it is. It, it so I I read it and was like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about this this card. Like, and it almost didn't make the cut, and then. Um, I read it again while it was in my hand in, in the first game that I played and was like oh wow like at worst this is just like a really good like defensive combat trick mm-hmm. or it draws you a bunch of cards yep. at best it's just instant speed overrun that wins you the game yep. it's sick really really like that card I was very impressed with that in the end I lost that a lot yeah I, I can I can see that just it just like just gets you out of nowhere sometimes so in that event, I ended up going at two one two. So that was two unintentional draws, unfortunately, because uh, we were playing forty minute rounds, which which was really frustrating. I found it really frustrating. I think because the, the format's so so grindy. Like I was definitely playing at a reasonable pace. Uh, all my opponents were playing at a reasonable pace as well. It was just like it's such a slog. The format it's like really slow. Uh, lots of like two fives, three fives. Just stuff that sits there on the battlefield and conks it up. Yeah, that's certainly a thing I found, especially with my like very like low to the ground aggro deck. Yeah, is that I just couldn't compete once it got past turn like five. There's just yeah. there's so much going on. There's so much clogging up the ground, and like there's a lot of removal interaction, and the board states just get muddy. Yeah, definitely. I think food as well. Like the amount of cards which generate food that you just end up like second to gain some life just to keep yourself in the game yeah really really adds to the round times i think in in sealed yeah because like i got my opponent down to like six and they just had a few a few random uh food tokens and i just yeah. i just couldn't win it just yeah couldn't happen. so it's definitely uh, definitely a a grindy format i'm looking forward to the draft i haven't done a draft yet um i think the draft will be a lot better than the sealed experience was mm-hmm. i i really don't mind the sealed format i just I just think it's it's going to be one that I can't see myself playing a lot of. Awesome. So and another thing, which I mean, I guess to to do a bit of role reversal this week. Yeah. Uh, I I definitely had some had a big negative feel about uh, well not necessarily about pre-release, but definitely something I I saw or something I saw the lack of at pre-release was was excitement about like card variants. I just think just oversaturation is just a, just a big problem. Um, so I feel like a lot of people that I inter- interacted with just didn't didn't really understand or really care when they opened like an alternate version of a card. I yeah. think it's because you have like so many different versions. It's a lot more difficult to know like which is like the best version of the card when you compare it to something like Masterpieces where you open like 
you know, you opened like a Trental Gearhawk and you were like, oh, that's cool. You opened a Masterpiece Trental Gearhawk. You're like, oh, wow, it's it's the cool one. It's the best one. Because I feel like when there's like so many different versions of cards or variants of cards, it all just becomes like a bit a bit difficult to, to understand, really. Yeah. It's definitely a more harder concept to, to grok than it is with like the Masterpiece cards. Yeah, I agree. There's like a definite like the masterpieces where these are expensive and these are the good ones that you want to open and they look cool and there's like a certain set of them and this is what they are but like you can get no border extended border borderless the storybook art you can get all the foil versions of those and the non-foil versions of those and it's just so much um i don't know and i think that like a lot of the storybook art is a lot more common than i thought it would be yeah i i really don't know i i think that's at least for me it comes into it a bit like the fact that like they haven't released any information about like how often these cards are going to pop up like with masterpieces i said oh it'll be one in every uh you know one in every 60 packs or whatever like that kind of thing yeah with these it's just oh they're in there you might open one so like out of out of two pre-release uh sealed pools and uh, a good few like booster packs as prizes. Like I didn't open a single alternate art card at all myself. At all? I know, not at all. No. Uh, whereas I had like some like I think on the Sunday, sorry, the Saturday pre-release I did, the person who was building the pool opposite me opened like six in their pool. That that's the bad end of variance, right? <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It, it, it like. It, the numbers just kind of seem to be like all over the place, really. I think yours is the abnormality in that situation. Yeah. I think a lot more people opened a lot of uh, promo versions or ultimate art versions or whatever. I opened three across yeah. my pool and a prize pack, like seven packs. I got three. Uh, I know certain, like a lot of people got a lot more than that. Yeah, I think I've had. So I've opened one box of Eldrain so far, and I got four in one box. So I, I don't know. The, the numbers just seem to be kind of everywhere from what I've seen. Yeah, which is irritating, so the least. Yeah, it's in, it would be nice to have some sort of data point, but we don't. Yep. Yeah, but we don't. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. So I think this, I don't know, I, I know we sort of touched on it last week a bit, I think, but that, you know, the whole kind of booster phone idea is something that, I think it's a really good idea. Like, it's a really cool idea to to want to make you know boosters more exciting to open. But it's just like this oversaturation just makes it so much more confusing. And I, I think I think there is like the genuine chance that like you know people will open like a a regular foil version of a planeswalker and be disappointed because it could have been the extended art version of a planeswalker. Yeah, I certainly got that. Yeah. yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I I wrote what I felt like was a decent couple of posts about it on Twitter. So if you want to check it out uh, on Twitter, I'm at Peach Garden Oaf. You can see my my words put down properly, I guess. But yeah, overall, I think I think pre-release was okay, but I I do I do understand some of your some of your qualms with with pre-release, and it's something that I definitely felt myself this time around. So I don't know. I'm I'm gonna think good and hard before the next one and. I think we, before the next pre-release, or like the week before the next pre-release or something, we'll, we'll probably do like a proper discussion of like what the role of pre-release is, because that's something I'd like to cover at some point. I, I don't know. I think the role of pre-release is to 
for new players and people that don't normally go to LGS as much, people that don't yeah. normally play sort of quote competitive magic very often. And it's a place for them to go and go. And this is exciting. It's the new set. I'll go to a store for this and then I'll continue to play, um, you know, where, wherever they play, wherever they play, whether that's like a, um, a kitchen table or like in a pub or something or whatever. And yeah. Then, like it just feels like for those people and um, you get, I know certainly for us at least, you get a higher percentage of newer players coming to pre-releases that don't normally come to FNM or events or anything like that, or don't come yeah. to the store normally, and they'll just play pre-release. And pre-release just seems to seems to be it attracts everyone. It attracts like uh, entrenched modern players, yeah, who only who I've only ever seen play modern and have never drafted in their lives, but they'll do a pre-release. And commander yeah. players that don't play any other constructed format ever or draft will just play pre-release and. I don't know. That seems to be. It just. It seems to. Yeah, be for... I really don't know. I mean, uh, yeah. I guess I don't know. I don't really want to go into it too much now. But sure. I think I think BDM wrote a really good sort of thread about it on on Twitter a couple of months ago now. Like, sort of breaking down like what the like what is the point of pre-release now? Like when you have like you go to a pre-release and the set's already been out on Arena for two days. It's launched on Magic Online like as you're building like your seal pool. So, like, if you're an entrenched player already, like, you don't really have any reason to go to or, I guess, call... Like, Wizards don't really need to call it a pre-release event. Like, they could just call it a release event and sell things, you know, then. I don't know. That's something I definitely want to review in a future episode. Like, what what is a pre-release and why, what is the role of pre-release, really? Because you can still buy boxes. and I mean, this this time you could buy the collector boosters. yeah. So it's essentially just a release event. I don't know. I think most people, it's just a reason to open packs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so yeah. this is the brand new set. I get to open six packs and I don't have to feel bad about wasting my money on packs because they're actually for an event. Yeah. I think that's part of it, honestly. It's part of the thing with me. I was like, oh, I can open new cards and then I don't open anything worth particularly anything. Yeah. And then my deck's bad. And I'm just like, well, I've wasted on it in the evening, haven't I? I, don't know, I continue to hate pre-releases and I really shouldn't have gone. <laughs> honestly. But, you know, we live and learn, right? Yeah. That's the saying. So rather than go to the the third pre-release on Sunday, uh, I decided to stay at home and play Arena all day instead. Yeah, that sounds better, honestly. Yeah, it actually was. I had an absolute blast just playing New Standard on Arena. Finally got to use all those rare wild cards that I've been saving up for the past past couple of months. Well, you have rare rare wild cards? Not anymore, I did. (laughs) Okay, sorry. Wow, you had red wild... God damn it. Wow, you had rare wild cards. (laughs) I did, yeah. I had rare wild cards, uh, and now I have some uh, some copies of Dance of the Months and uh, a, a couple of new lands and two murderous riders. Of course, you have Dance of the Months. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm playing that deck. Yeah, we definitely should have talked about that card because that's such a I, new card. So I think everybody missed it. I think, like Doom foretold, like especially Doom foretold. I think everybody just missed this card. Obviously, apart from Brian Gottlieb, who like just absolutely nailed that deck like it's 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 almost perfect it's almost as if brian gottlieb's a really smart player yeah he's really good at magic he's good he's very good yeah and we're all stupid and, and not good at magic yeah yeah so so for those who aren't in the know the, the dance of the man's doom foretold it's part of the esper stacks list uh which just plays some like good esper cards like teferi time raveler uh and plays <laughs> Thought Erasure and just you know all of those fun cards that I've been plaguing standard for the past 
good good few months now. I hate to inform you, but I don't think the words fun and plaguing belong in the same sentence. <laughs> uh, and then it, so it also plays like a bunch of new cards in uh, Golden Egg, and then it plays uh, Globe of Guilds as well from uh, Guilds of Ravnica. Guild Globe. No, from War Guild Globe from War of the Spark. That is the wrong card. Yeah, Guild Globe from War of the Spark. Guild Globe from War of the Spark, not Globe of Guilds from Ravnica Allegiance. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all knew where you were going. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, so it uses those cards as, I mean, as eggs, really. That is what they are, both literally and not literally, right? That, prof- that like profoundly upsets me. Yeah. The fact that it's eggs that's actually eggs. It is. It's Yeah, it's eggs, but it's it's actually eggs and some of it's food. And so eggs aren't food. These ones are. Yeah, sure. So yeah, it uses those eggs just just to sort of cycle and draw some cards. But then they also combo very nicely with with Doom Patrolled, which is a, a new enchantment from Throne of Eldraine, which, like I said, everybody seemed to miss. Um, it is a black and a white. So it's two white black for an enchantment at the beginning of each player's upkeep. That player sacrifices a non-land, non-token permanent. If that player can't, they discard a card, they lose two life, you draw a card, you gain two life, you create a 2-2 white knight creature token with vigilance, then you sacrifice Doom Patrolled. Yeah, I think everyone missed this because it has so many words on it. Yeah, it's got so many words. It's a it's a multicolored rare enchantment. Like It just kind of just screams commander card, Like if you don't actually read it and think about it in the context of a deck. This is the thing, it has so many words on it and it looks either like... A commander card or just an unplayable card they printed for like cool flavor reasons or something yeah and no one took it but like it, it's still difficult to understand what it actually does like <laughs> like like you have to read it a number of times before you figure out what actually happens when you resolve that card and what happens yeah, like absolutely. during your upkeep or whatever and when you get stuff and when you don't get stuff and it's it's all a big word soup that turns out yeah. it's actually very playable oh absolutely so th- this this obviously works nicely with your your golden eggs, your guild globes, and your oath of Kaya's. Uh, it allows you to sacrifice them um, to the Doom Patrol at the beginning of your upkeep to keep it on the board. Uh, and then that all plays very nicely with Dance of the Mance, which is, again, another card that I feel like everybody just missed. It's X, white, blue for a sorcery. Return up to X target artifact and or non-aura enchantment cards, each with converted mana cost X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. If X is six or more, those permanents are four four creatures in addition to their other types. Yeah, this was definitely uh, what looked like a commander card. I'm hoping it's a yeah. good one. I mean, it's just like a I, mini like replenish, right? Or second yeah, sunrise, definitely. I guess. It's, it's a yeah, it's like a combination of second sunrise and replenish. Um, it's another card where I can see how and why people missed it. Um, it's quite amusing, like looking at it now. Now that we know the deck, given that, it, like. If you go to you go to Mythic Spoiler, like the two of them appear right next to each other. I think they are next to each other in the set as well. Yep. Yeah, Dance of the Mountains is number one eight six, and Doom Foretold is number one eight seven. So the cards are literally right next to each other in the set. Uh, yeah, they they work very very nicely. Um, you just kind of grind your opponent out. You make the game go long using like your uh, your hand disruption and your your removal spells. Uh, use your Doom Patrol to get rid of your opponent's Trixie permanence. Use your Teferi to bounce things and do all those fun Teferi things. 
and then eventually you just cast a massive dance for the Mo- dance of the months and kill your opponent with all of your enchantments and artifacts. Yeah, Lumiere and Cogsworth kill your opponent. Yeah. But Cogsworth's made of eggs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's that's the kind of, that's the right card, right? It's the card that's like referencing the Beauty and the Beast, all the uh, all the furniture dancing about. It, <laughs> yeah, 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 sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, this yeah the deck seems it's not a stacks deck, is it? It's been called stacks, yeah. Oh, well, it? yeah, yeah, it, it is because it. So it, it it's the whole doom foretold thing of like you're stacking your triggers to make you sacrifice your things, but then that doesn't. It's it's like a it's like a stacks effect that it's it's abusable because you want your stuff in your graveyard to then bring back. You have multiple copies of doom foretold out. Like yeah, it's it's been called Esper stacks. What's Staxy about it? Like, there's no, you know, Thorn of Amethyst effect or anything like that. No, but I think it's just because it's it's artifacts and enchantments, and it's it's artifacts that uh, that asymmetrically asymmetrically deny resources. Sure. Okay. Or symmetrically deny resources, but you're abusing the effect because you want your resources in the graveyard. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sure. Anyway. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, so I, I think the deck's great. Uh, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily the best deck in standard, but it's one that I've been having a lot of fun with. I've been having a lot of success with it. Uh, and you can see, like, there's been a couple of five nil lists up on Magic Online. Uh, Brian Gottlieb obviously did fantastic in the the Fandom Legends tournament, which was, I guess, the first real standard tournament last week. Uh, and like Carlos from Rao did pretty well with it as well in the the Fandom Casters Cup. So it's yeah, it's been putting up some good results. Man, there's so many events now. Yeah. There's so much going on. I think that that's that's one thing that that you see with Arena. Like everything moves so fast. Like standard especially just moves so so quickly. Like yeah. the set hasn't been released yet, and we already know. Like you know, discount and Magic Online and Arena. Like the the set hasn't released in paper yet, and we already know like what the best like five decks in the format are and we all like we already know what the meta game is going to be like yeah that's wild yeah that really is ridiculous it's like wizards of the coast might not be publishing like half as much data as they used to from magic online but the fact that we have all of this all you know we have so many streamers playing the game and so many sites like like mtg goldfish and like arena deck lists like we can see just how the meta game changes like week to week and I wouldn't be surprised if eventually it just starts changing day to day. I mean, I don't think it's far from that now. Changing yeah. like changing daily. It just seems like this is why I stopped playing standard properly. Like in terms <laughs> of just so in terms of paper, because I'd find a deck I like and then before the next week's FNM just like this isn't playable anymore. Like, oh yeah. that's that's nice. I've enjoyed investing my time and money into this deck <laughs> to have it become completely unplayable. Yeah. It's it's, it's I don't know. It's, it's it's hard to keep up with, honestly. It's difficult. Yeah, agreed, definitely. I think there's one thing, though, that's clearly uniting standard. Yeah. And what everyone else is talking about, and something that seems to be here to stay for as long as it's a standard. It's, uh, it's your boy. My boy? Your boy. Everyone's boy. Everyone's best boy. Oko, Thief of Crowns, the bane, new bane of standard. Yeah, do we... I don't think anyone wants him as their boy. I think everyone, no. I think everyone hates him. 
I think so. I think he, I think he's Oko is the new Teferi. Send tweet. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, I think he's the three mana planeswalker that fifty percent. Well, okay, maybe more than fifty percent of people love to hate, and then the other percent just absolutely love him wildly. Do you like Oko? Uh, I think that Oko. So I I dislike Oko. Uh, I think Oko's too good. Um, I think it's a I think it's a very good card. It plays in decks that I typically wouldn't want to play myself, but I don't know. I just think I think it's too powerful. I think that my problem with it is the the plus two create a food token, jumping from four loyalty to six loyalty is is where it becomes a problem. Um, I think if that plus two had been a a plus one or a zero, I think it should have been a zero. I think if it had been a zero, it would be fine, and I I would probably like Oko, but I'm definitely on on the uh, on the side that's rooting against Oko. So that was just a long-winded way of saying Noko. Yeah, Noko. <laughs> I'm the first person to make that joke. Please do not check Twitter.com. That's the first time I've heard that that joke. So that's the first time we've heard someone say Noko. Yeah. Have you been on Twitter in the last, like, four days? Yeah, I think we follow very different people. We follow the same people. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you follow, like, none of the MPL. <laughs> uh, I follow two of the MPL. It's one of those people, Jess Estefan. It is, yeah. Yeah, she's been tweeting like that. Oh, I, I haven't seen this. <laughs> oh, well. Some great Oko-based content. Oh, I've seen, like, the, uh, the Four Loco one. Yeah. 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 Uh, all right, this is this one's going to blow your mind. Have you heard yeah. Oko is Broco? I've heard that one. Oh, okay, yeah, good, 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 good. All right, that's fine. Those are my two Oko-based puns that I have. I also do agree as well. Oko is Broco. Um, yeah, I think it is. It's just that that plus two, uh, the plus one. I don't think is too much of a problem. I think that probably should have been again like a zero or a minus one. Uh, but I think the fact that he goes up two loyalty to six loyalty the turn it comes out is too much for most decks to handle i I think oko should have been like should have had starting for like starting three loyalty the food should be a plus one i think the elk ability should be a minus one like there's a lot of stuff that could be different about this planeswalker and there's a lot it's a it's a big mess of stuff that just makes things just unenjoyable yeah strong agree so i think the like the vast majority of times i've played against so there's I'll try to try it all again. So yeah, it's played in an abundance of different strategies, um, and the vast majority of them, they're all playing the goose as well. So it just comes out turn two. It's kind of everywhere. Uh, one of the strategies that I've played against that seems fairly popular is the the Simic Food deck. Uh, so it's a it's a version that's playing uh, Tamio. So it, I've seen like most games I've seen that I've played against it. It goes like turn one Gilded Goose. Turn two, Oko, make a food. Turn three, Tamio. And it's it's just it's so frustrating because, like on my turn three, I can deal. With, I can you know, I can probably deal with one of those planeswalkers, but not both of them. And you don't really want either of them to stick around. I think the fact that Oko goes from four loyalty to six loyalty straight away as early as turn two, just kills mono red. Like 
obviously like we don't all just want mono red being just like the best deck at all times but i would quite like it being a deck in the format and i think oko makes it so that mono red can't exist mono red can't deal with oko and oko makes so much food that like if they do deal with oko you've got plenty of food to just sitting around so you use up the food gain life and mono red can't kill you i think it's a real problem and then you just yeah, have like i think so there's a lot of things like oko just in combination with with Nissa, it's just kind of gross. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, obviously in combination with the goose, it's just silly. <laughs> silly goose. Wow. Just complete silence. Not even like a fake laugh. <laughs> what, what did you say? I said silly goose. Oh, oh okay. I said the oh, goose okay. was silly, and then I said yeah. silly goose, and then you just, I could only hear the rain from your, your end of it. <laughs> 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 Good lord. That's much worse than crickets chirping. Yeah. <laughs> um, man. I've lost ha, my... Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> just took a while to hit. Yeah, thanks. Dude. Wait, did you actually just not hear or did you just think it was that unfunny? Uh, a bit of both. Well, that's true. Really right. Good. <laughs> um, yeah, I think there's just a lot that goes wrong with this card. Yeah. I think some of it is like hyperbole and I think a lot of people are overreacting to how stupid it is and i think there's a lot of there's a lot to be said about just making twitter jokes yeah yeah for sure that make this more i don't know it's easier to make jokes be like oh it's busted i can't deal with it than it is to be like this is a very powerful planeswalker that i think it's going to take some work to beat but yeah. it's certainly a very powerful planeswalker it is and I, I do generally think that this is one that just a lot of decks can't deal with it because having a six loyalty planes work walk around turn two is a lot. It's a lot more than we've we've ever seen before. Yeah, maybe they should stop printing three mana planeswalkers. And maybe yeah. they should stop printing three mana planeswalkers with such high loyalty. Yep. Planeswalkers with high loyalty are just very annoying anyway. Yeah. Three, three mana planeswalkers, especially when you can cast them on turn two, are just very annoying anyway. Yeah. And just like this is also also has good relevant abilities. And, like, it's just stupid. I mean, we, we like, three mana planeswalkers are normally just not a good idea. Yeah. Germany. Um, I mean, I'm sure there'll be a home for the Royal Scions somewhere in standard in, oh, during, yeah, their, during, their, yeah. during their tenure. Not all three mana planeswalkers are good. But they're normally not quite all. good. Most of them are. Most of them are quite good. I don't know. I mean, is there anything more you want to say on, on Oko specifically? Uh, I don't know. Not more. Nothing more than I've already said. Really, I, th- I think I do genuinely think it's it's a problem. Um, I think that it's it's just too good to not be playing a deck with Oko in it. I think it, it may it may eventually just lead to a stagnation of the standard format, which will be a real shame if it does. Um, I think you have to. I mean, really, you've got two strategies. Like you, you're playing a deck with Oko. Or you're playing a deck that plays Murderous Rider, whether that's a Rakdos Aggro deck, uh, an Esper Stacks or Esper Control deck, uh, or some sort of some sort of Jund or Golgari deck. Uh, I just I don't know. I think, um, yeah, Murderous Rider has to be everywhere if Oko is going to be everywhere. And I don't know. I don't know if I want standard being hinged as two cards like we just saw standard being hinged around 
two cards like for the past year and a bit of like Teferi and other Teferi. And it's just kind of, I don't know, it feels a little stale just to have a, have a repeat of the previous year, but with slightly different cards. I don't know. I think there's still a lot to do in Standard. Uh, and like you said, like this format hasn't, like, the set hasn't been released yet. We haven't had a large-scale tournament yet. It's just been mainly been playing on Arena. Yeah. So the actual impact of the card, like, I don't know yet. But, uh, yeah, I'm willing to accept that it's incredibly powerful and possibly a problem. But, I mean, there's a lot to explore with it. Like, in combination with Dreadhorde Invasion, it's probably sweet. Like, yeah, making, that's, that's definitely a thing. Just making a 4-4 every turn. And then, yeah, like, turning the lands Nissa makes into 6-6s six and all this sort of nonsense. Yeah. It's a lot of good stuff. And, yeah, in combination with, uh, what's the what's the troll? What's the troll? Uh, the... Troll King. Feasting Troll King, troll yeah. King, yeah. That's cool. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, again, like, that... Every game I've played against that plays the troll deck, like, the troll just comes out on turn three. <laughs> That's, that's how that deck works which is like it's it's fine I think the trolls like far less of a problem than Oko because at least like there are multiple rafts in the format that hit the tro- that hit the troll you have creatures with death touch you, you know the, the troll the troll isn't that much of a problem like you can bounce the troll with Teferi you can bounce the troll with like Unsummon but then like if you have to use one of those spells to deal with the troll you haven't got the spell or the mana to deal with Oko then Oko goes up to eight loyalty, and it, you just can't beat it at that point. I know, like, I'm, I'm going on about it, but I really do just think Oko is a problem, and not even, not even in like a hi, like hyperbole way. I think it's, I think it's a problem. I mean, there's always that element of potential hyperbole when it comes to standard and people being like, "This is yeah. be banned. This is be banned." I think there's time to let it settle and see what's going on. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm definitely not calling for a ban yet, but I, I do think if there was to be a ban, I think. That's the card that you should be looking at. That they should be looking at very closely. Um, and if the, if that is the case, then I, I think they should probably also look at Teferi Time Reveler closely as well. Because I think if you ban one, you sh- you should just ban the other. I mean, this just plays into like a wider discussion of planeswalkers, no? Yeah, absolutely. Like planeswalkers are a problem. <laughs> it it seems like a lot of the time when we're discussing powerful cards potentially too powerful yeah or potentially broken or potentially bandworthy it's just planeswalkers a lot of the time or yeah. they seem to at least facilitate the, the stuff that's potentially going wrong in any given format um I, I just don't think Watsi are particularly good at making planeswalkers okay I just think they're all bad planeswalkers suck man like <laughs> In at both ends of the spectrum, like I genuinely think that planeswalkers are either like busted and and probably too good for any given format that they're in, or they're just anemic and don't do do enough. Yeah, there's not like reasonable planeswalkers. I mean, that's like that's very much a hot take, but yeah, I think so. I, I think it's a com- I think it's several things there. So I think obviously first off, like different strokes for different folks like people enjoy different things uh and i definitely think there is a a vocal you know there's definitely like a vocal group of players that 
don't like planeswalkers and think planeswalkers are bad for the game and I, I do understand a lot of their arguments and i do agree with a lot of their arguments in some cases but also on the flip side i do understand you know some of the things which planeswalkers add to the game and i think i'm more in favor of planeswalkers than than not but i don't yeah i, I don't know i don't i don't feel I don't feel think it's quite as bad as that. Like they're either all broken or they're all bad. I just I just don't think I don't think we see like just good ones enough. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Like I don't think we yeah. see reasonable planeswalkers enough. I think we either see them at either end of a spectrum, whether that's like to the to the two extremes or not. But it's it's either they're incredibly powerful and like taking over standard or a certain format, or they're not doing enough and they're just sort of like wishy washy cards you like to put in your commander deck, or maybe they're playable once. Like, sure. like, um, Sorry, Imperious, Imperious Bloodlord, like, yeah. is now unplayable, where it was yeah. the best card, not the best card in standard, but like one of the best cards, right, for that format. It was a very good card, yeah. yeah, and it made an entire deck, pretty much. And this is the thing, it's just like, it, and it's not just that. I mean, it's like so, like, Jace the Mind Sculptor, Gideon Ally of Zendikar, Teferi Hero of Dominero, Teferi Time Raveler, Narset Pirate of Veils, Oko, Renin Six, like Liliana of the Veil, Lily the Last Hope. Like, there's just a big string of just planeswalkers that are just too good or like have some kind of problem. And normally, when there's a problem with a format, it tends to be a planeswalker. Sure. And I, I think that's just it's just a thing that keeps like. So how much? How many? How much did people hate Gideon Alev Zendikar? Oh yeah, I fully, fully despised Gideon Alev Zendikar. Yeah. How much do people hate Jace the Mind Sculptor? Yeah, you know, like Renin Six is the current discussion. Like Teferi and Narset have like busted formats. Yeah, Khan the Great Creator has busted formats. Khan Liberated, Ugin the Spirit Dragon. Like Planeswalkers are often just so good, just so unnecessarily good that they're just the best thing to be doing it like a lot at a given time. Yeah, and it just seems like that. But then you have to counter that. You have like I don't know, Dovin Barn. Yeah, you have any of the Watley cards or Samut cards. Like Samut is, is yet to have a, have a playable card. Yeah, or oh, like the the um, Ixalan or the Rivals of Ixalan Jace, whichever one that was. Yeah. Like how terrible was that card? It didn't do anything. Like um, the M nineteen Planeswalkers were just like bad. Yeah, that Liliana. Like, when was the last time a Liliana Planeswalker saw zero play in standard? Yeah, it just like, sucked. Even when they yeah. printed like. Uh, with Warrior's Spot, they printed like loads of zombie cards and like the army cards and stuff. She just still didn't yeah. play because it was just too narrow. I mean, Elspeth Sun's champion, like that was just the card in standard for its entire life. I, yeah. It just seems like Planeswalkers are either insane or they're rubbish. And like, obviously, there's there's stuff within that. Like, there's different levels, and that's very much just a <laughs> an extreme no nonsense take. But I think that's generally how it feels. Yeah, I think, and I don't, I don't dislike planeswalkers. Like, I, I, there's certain planeswalkers I like, but those like planeswalkers are like Garrick Wildspeaker and like Nissa Vi- Vital Force, and you know, like yeah. Kind of so I, I think it's it's that it's that thing that is just like always a problem. Like, so essentially, with with planeswalkers, essentially you're casting uh, one spell for free every turn, mm-hmm. and we know that is always a problem. Like, you shouldn't. You, you shouldn't be able to cast a spell for free. Yeah. It just depends on, like, how good that spell is. And you're right, there are a lot of Planeswalkers that do have, have you know, lots of very powerful spells attached to them. Yeah. It's just, it just continue. they continue to be a problem. They continue to warp formats around themselves, and they continue to be no fun. 
I, I like planeswalkers. I, I, I like. I mean, I like commander planeswalkers. Like you know, like that, yeah. that level of planeswalker where it's just fun to play and like it just accrues value. Yeah, I, I think I, I very much understand your argument. I, I do. So I, I think, I think a lot of the time, the issue isn't necessarily the planeswalkers themselves. I think the the problem is that there's just a lack of removal or a lack of interaction with them um or a lack of like something which will stop them from doing their things uh, i know for, like for a very long time now like well since kaladesh to be honest i thought like pithing needle should be in the standard format like pretty much always you are always going to have planes like there's always going to be at least one planeswalker in every single set so surely it should make sense to have pithing needle in standard like always um it would just be a good card I know we have Sorceress Spyglass. We've had it for like the past year and it was just reprinted. Uh, but I don't think that is good enough. I think the, the difference between two mana and one mana is vastly different. Uh, and yeah, sure, you get a look at the hand of Sorceress Spyglass, but I, I just I don't think that makes much of a difference at all. Like when they're, especially at the moment, like when they're casting an Oko or a Teferi on turn two and you're casting a Sorceress Spyglass on turn two, and their planeswalker's already gone up, and they can probably you know, cast another planeswalker on turn three. I just I don't think it's enough. I think pithing needle needs to be there. Like as long as we have these good planeswalkers, you need pithing needle. You need at least a hero's downfall, like at least one hero's downfall effect, preferably like multiple which are playable. So I think the answers just need to be there. And realistically, the planeswalkers are only only as strong as the answer or or the lack of answers are. And when the vast majority of the time you don't have an answer to the planeswalker, it's going to get out of control. Or you could just stop printing busted planeswalkers. I I think yeah. that's that's the thing. It's just like they're no fun. And we we saw that with M nineteen specifically. Like they they tried to just tone down planeswalkers, and they were very much like planeswalkers for people with maybe fun casual decks or like commander decks. Like oh, you put Sarkin in your dragon deck because it's good with dragons, and you put. Tezzeret in your artifact deck is good with artifacts and I yeah. can't remember what Ajani did but you probably put counters on something and gain life that's exactly what I did yeah excellent I know what Ajani does that's what every Ajani does um, <laughs> but it's just it just seems like this thing just this theme of like they're either underwhelming or they're just too good and you have to play them and like you said yeah if there's no heroes downfall in the format it's just like it feels really bad I mean there currently is a heroes downfall in the format and we'll have to see how it shakes out because like there's a Rakdos deck that's kind of good right yeah, Murderous Rider. I think Murderous Rider is fantastic, and um, that's that's a card that I would like to see in standard for for as long as possible. Um, yeah, you play it in any deck that plays black. So like Rakdos, Golgari, Jund, Esper. Uh, like you, you just have to play it because in this case, Oko is too good. I think definitely. I think I think the problem is like with specific like stuff like Oko versus like uh, a Hero's Downfall variant, like a three mana destroy target Planeswalker. Yeah. It was it's a similar thing with like Teferi here of Dominaria versus uh, Braska's Contempt. Yeah, it's yeah. like you already just you just got the value because it was like make this Teferi for five, untap two lands. So essentially, I pay three mana. Then you have yeah. to tap out on your turn or like lose some tempo to cast this four mana spell that kills this Teferi. And then I've, I've still got yeah. two lands on tap, so I can probably counter it anyway. And then I can just make another Teferi, and I've still got this spell ability out of it. Like I've still drawn a card or whatever, or I've still already tucked a thing. And it feels similar with like Oko Murderous Rider, where you like you cast the, the Oko, like probably on turn two, even if it's on turn three, it's fine. And then they respond with this Murderous Rider. You've already got the value out of it, and then you get to play something else that they have to deal yeah. with, and they haven't advanced their board. It's just this constant like 
it's constant back and forth, and it just feels like the Planeswalker player is just like like ahead a lot of the time. Yeah. And it just doesn't feel good. Like, ugh, Planeswalkers are such, such a problem, like, all of the time. And it just feels like, it, it also doesn't feel like what's you know where they want them to be, right? Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that, but definitely. Uh, so I, I do think in the sort of wider standard meta, really, like, uh, I, I think they've been, like, they have been a bit of a problem, but I don't think it's been the end of the world because you've had, you've had some good aggressive strategies, you've had some good combos, you've had some other things which you can do. But like again, to keep going back to Oko, I, I think Oko changes a lot of things. Oko with combination of rotation changes a lot of things. Like mono red isn't a thing anymore. Vampires aren't a thing anymore. Kether's combo isn't a thing anymore. So I, I think it might be into, until you know until Theros, there might just be a bit of an Oko problem. Yeah, but then Theros would probably get a really busted Elspeth card, no? Yeah, probably. All right, like just stop printing them. Because they continue and historically are a problem. I, I just don't think they're good for the game, especially when they're so, they're so hard to interact with. And they, you just have this play where you're like, well, now I have to devote. So if you're a creature deck, you like I have to devote, devote all my resources to getting this thing off the pla- off the table, while my opponent's still expanding their board presence, maybe playing another Planeswalker and just like being able to do all this stuff. Yeah, which I, I think. So I think that when they were designing Throne of Eldraine, I think. They had that in mind. I think they really, really did. I think you see a lot of cards and like the power levels amped up a bit uh, to interact with that, specifically with like Deferi Time Raveler. And I think because they were so focused on you know printing cards that beat Deferi, I think they've overlooked Oko slightly and made it too powerful. And I, yeah, I don't know. I think I think Oko's just off. You just have stupid stuff like Questing Beast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Stuff like like Questing Beast, which is is a great card that I I, mean, I wouldn't mind seeing in most standard formats, but I, I feel like that card is specifically designed with Deferi in mind. It's just such an elegant design. It just it just feels so like okay, well this is a so we're going to print thirty six points. It was thirty six, right? Points all because of Moira's part. Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Whatever. We're going to print these thirty six points on cards and Moira's Spark, and then in the the not next set, the, the set after the next set, we're going to have this stupid card that just deals with all Planeswalkers just in case. Here's, here's, a, yeah. here's a release valve. It's probably still not good enough because you've already accrued the value by the time you're casting your 4-drop. But it just feels like having to print stuff like that to deal with it, it just feels so bad. I I don't know. It they just don't, it doesn't, just doesn't feel good at all. And they continue to be a problem. I I will definitely concede that there is there is a problem with with some planeswalkers if not if not a lot of planeswalkers but I I definitely fall on the side of somebody who enjoys playing with them and I'm definitely glad they're in the game. Yeah, I enjoy doing play with them. But I just think they're badly designed. Like I don't have them with planeswalkers. Like like I said, like certain planeswalkers I enjoy playing with. Like I mean, I enjoy Elspeth Sun's champion, but it's not good for the game. Like, like, okay, I don't know. Guess, I guess, name a medium planeswalker. Like, that wasn't just, yeah. isn't just like dominant. Like, that is playable in a constructed format that isn't just dominant. Um, Nahiri the Harbinger. You know that dominated the format for a time. Did it? Yeah, like it was just all over modern. It was just the best deck to be playing yeah, in like modern for a certain time. Cause... Yeah, yeah, but it was certainly like the thing, and it was like very hard to interact with, and it felt unwinnable a lot of the time. Yeah, but I think. Mean... Such as modern. 
They're also just kind of dull, because they're just, most of the time they're just like, card advantage, removal, ultimate that does something stupid. That's all it is. And Oko's the same thing, it's card advantage, removal, and does something stupid. Yeah. Like, how is that, how is that fun? <laughs> I don't know. Like, they're, they're in- I, it, again, that, I think that, that that's, comes down to subjectivity. Like, I, I find a lot more fun in planeswalkers than, than I do creatures, like, 100% of the time. Sure. Yeah, I understand that. I think I'm, yeah, I think I worded it poorly when I said fun. But it's like, okay, like, just me- medium planeswalkers don't really exist. They're either unplayable or they're really, really good in defined formats. And that's not good. I, I don't think, in terms of in terms of game design. I don't know. I don't know if it's, if it's as extreme as that, but I, I do. I do definitely see it. I see where you're coming from. Like, I, I honestly do think it's, like, I don't know, like, in, in any given format, so you have, like, you know, Elspeth, and you had Xenagos was completely unplayable, and Cura was basically unplayable, and then you had, like, Boogin was just ridiculous, and you should play it all the time, and then Sarkin and Broken was just, the like, was completely unbroken. Like, yeah. you just have all this stuff, and, I don't know, you, you have user fairies, and then you have, like... Jaya Ballard. Exactly! What the hell is that? <laughs> and then... <laughs> Okay, let's not talk about Ixlan, because Ixlan was just terrible mostly all over. But like, you have your, your Jace Cunning Castaway. It's like, well, what the hell is that? Uh, yeah. And then, yeah, you, you, you have your, your Oko, which is taking over everything, and you have your Garrick, which is just kind of embarrassing. Like, uh, I think Garrick. Yeah, but Garrick's probably very good. <laughs> the Royal Sirens is probably yeah. very, very good. But like, you know what I mean? Like, you just have, like... But everyone thought, like, oh, Garrett's going to be really, really good because it's like this grindy mid-range planeswalker. And it's like, it just doesn't... The play patterns on that card just don't work, especially when your your opponent makes a turn to Oko. Like... No, but you, you also make a turn to Oko in that deck. Like, you play... Yeah, it's a, a, the four-color Wolves deck is, is definitely a thing, I think. Yeah, sure. I... I like, Paradise, I you get Paradise Druid as well. Like, you get Garrick out, like, turn four easily. You've got the Great Henge in there, too, doing some... Horrible busted things. So I, I do think Garrick is good. Like Garrick's a three of four of in, in a fair few decks, I think. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just ugh. I don't know. Like Nickel Nickel Bolas, like the Dragon Guard is just like kinda miserable. Like I think Grixis is alright as well at the moment. Yeah, it's alright. I don't know, like it just it honestly feels like one end of the spectrum or the other. Sure. I, I, I do understand where you're coming from, definitely, but I, I do think, I don't know, I don't think it's it's quite as extreme, or at least I don't feel like, it, like it's as extreme as, as you've said. Yeah, I agree. I think it's as extreme as I'm saying. I just love talking in hyperbole. <laughs> sure. It wouldn't be this podcast where I'm not making ridiculous claims. Sure. Um, but yeah, or like, you know, Chandra Torture Defiance versus Sahili and Dovin Barn. Like, yeah. that's not a comparison worth making the only reason Sahili was good because it accidentally went infinite like <laughs> it was, it's not a good card <laughs> like it's it's good because you can win the game like Splinters win and like Dovin Bomb was just completely unplayable and a joke yeah it, again I think uh, at the end of the day it's it's a I don't I don't know it's is it a it, it's an identity problem really isn't it it's like what, what do Wizards of the Coast want Planeswalkers to be like do they know what do they when they print a planeswalker like what are they communicating to us it's it's the same thing they always have it was like what did they want the modern format to be they're not telling us but they keep printing all these broken graveyard cards is that what they want it to be yeah. no like oh they don't want lanowar elves in standard oh they've printed lanowar elves in standard oh they've printed birds of paradise in standard yeah oh they're not going to print fetch lands in standard 
oh, they literally just printed a fetch land in standard. Yep. I yeah, I just feel like we don't we don't quite know what their design philosophy is and just just like i don't know i would just be super thankful if we got some sort of like updated like here's the state of design 2019 maybe we'll see one in 2020 maybe they'll start off the air with i don't know the state of the state of the union 2020 <laughs> i mean here's a 449 dollar and 99 cents product that is very exclusive and now here's the garrick print that you can just buy for less money that makes it not exclusive in that product like yeah, it's yeah. a continued thing. It's the same thing. It's the same discussion we had about modern. Modern had an identity crisis, and then they were suddenly like, "Ah, oh, screw this. Let's just ban focus loading." Like, sure. So I think they sort of they made a statement on modern, right? Like we talked about that. We're like, they need to say something about modern. They need to do something about modern, and and sort of curtail it into what they want it to be, or at least let us know what they want it to be, whether it is that or yeah. not. And I think there's oh, still a problem, whatever. Um, but I think we've got definitive action from what he's saying. We, this is what they they don't want modern to be that like degenerate Hogak style format. So they've yeah. banned certain cards, and it, you know, I'd still don't like modern, but whatever. But I think, yeah, we need that in terms of a lot of things because things, like you said, keep, things keep going back and forth, and I think that's applicable to planeswalkers. And it's obvious with like what we essentially have: birds of paradise, and we have fetchlands, and we have protection, and you know, it's just it's it's all very strange. And I don't understand why they keep making these announcements. They could just keep doing stuff, and they couldn't. They could have they could have not said we're not doing protection anymore, and just phased it out anyway. Yeah. Not made a big deal of it, and then brought it back when it was necessary, or when when they felt the time was right, you know. Uh, rather than yeah. like, making these statements that make people think one thing and then they do the opposite thing, and it's all very strange and, and confusing, and we don't know what's going on. Yeah, I, I I agree definitely. I think it would just be nice to get some information sometimes. Like, I don't know. I mean, it's it, that's it's just the biggest issue in every aspect of of magic really when you think about it so i don't know i don't want to like talk smack about it too badly but it, yeah it always is like oh what's an mpl i don't know they're not communicating it what's what is like the state of magic competitive play going to be like i don't know they haven't communicated it like what what are like why gp coverage has gone away i don't know like what what's the gp schedule for next year like will we have modern pro tours again no we won't oh now we do I, it's just communication is just the the biggest issue and i don't know yeah i don't know how this all that yeah right to wrap up this segment uh jace architects thought this is rascally and senior wells eric yeah no like Raska, whatever six man of Raska from makes was called versus Jace. Gideon Allies yeah. the card versus Abnixilus reignited. Like Abnixilus was playable, definitely. Not as ubiquitous and broken as Gideon. Oh definitely not, no. But it, it was certainly playable. I'm sure whatever the Ammon Cat planeswalkers were, there was a problem there. We had Gideon of the Trolls, which was fine, I think. Yeah, it was it was annoying in conjunction with Allies and Yeah. Um, what was the other one? Uh the other one was You've got Dragon, the, the God Pharaoh. Uh, that was our Devastation. Yeah, I'm just thinking like a certain like, lot. Maybe like the other one was, was the other one Samut, or was she in our Devastation as well? Maybe, I don't know. I'm just thinking like formats generally, like blocks. Oh no, it was uh, it was Nissa, it was Blue Green Nissa. Oh yeah, which was bad. Yeah. I don't know. It was good for a time. There was a little bit of time there where it was okay, and then it was just kind of embarrassing again. Yeah, I don't think I've played against that card once ever. Yeah, Red and Six versus Sarah. Like. <laughs> I don't know. They're either busted and a problem, or they're kind of mediocre. Um, uh, yeah. 
And yeah, it's just a wizard's refusing to decide on what they want for certain aspects of their game, I think. And a similar thing with commander products, <laughs> like, you know, stuff like that. They're just every, every aspect of it just seems like they're a little bit confused and they want to tell us things to make us excited and then they don't do those things or they do those things they said they wouldn't do. Yeah. Uh, we've visited this topic before, haven't we? We have. It's like this is a constant problem. <laughs> it's like it's going to continue to happen forever. Uh, I don't know. It's all good. And on that note... I think that's about pretty much all we have time for this week. Uh, if you have enjoyed anything that you've heard in this episode today, uh, if you had a fun time at pre-release, if you watched my stream and enjoyed it, you can come find us on Twitter. On Twitter, we are at HFDCast. Uh, we are also on Facebook, facebook.com slash HFDCast. Or if you really enjoyed it and you want to give anything back at all, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash devastation. Tiers start from as little as $1. Uh, we're super thankful for, for anything that we do get and anything we do get goes straight back into into the show and yeah we're, we're super super thankful for your support if you want to get in touch with me on my own personal social media i'm on twitter at peach garden oaf that's oaf with an f facebook.com i'm joe loudon you can find me in pretty much any of the magic groups there uh, you can also follow me on twitch that would be super massively helpful uh twitch.tv slash peach garden oaf that's oaf with an f again uh i'm i'm like unreasonably close to twitch affiliate just from like the small amount of streaming i've been doing so like any followers i get on there would just be just be a massive help would it help if i unfollowed you and then followed you again no not at all uh, could i need, need to get that follower count up that, that's the only thing holding me back at the moment can i do i could do it anyway you could, I mean, you could, you could make it, make another. I mean, I know, I'm not, I'm not going to discuss you like making another account and me making lots of sock accounts just to artificially inflate my Twitch followers. I feel like we definitely shouldn't discuss committing fraud on a podcast. I agree. <laughs> so like I'll edit this bit out. <laughs> I'm edit this bit out. <laughs> so where can they find you, Sam? Oh my god, you can find me on Twitter at snail69. Nice. Thank you. Awesome. That is all we have time for this week. Yeah, once again, the Godfarer has returned. We're approaching the second hour, so we'll see you again on Hour of Devastation. Oh.